Well, we all know about them. The big three. The big American car companies basically own tons and tons of divisions worldwide. They're everywhere and every place. But did you know they're not the most powerful brands in the world anymore? Ford, who once set up manufacturing sites on nearly every continent, excluding Antarctica like everyone else, used to run the world and used to be the most powerful automotive brand the world had ever seen. But times have changed. And these days, there are power brands that people don't even know about within the automotive world. Hell, within the mobility world. And today, Autolux is going to take a look at the few of the most powerful brands in the automotive world. Welcome back to the Autolux Podcast. I am your host, as always, the doctor to the automotive industry, Mr. Everett J. Coming to you from our main website at autolux.net. If you haven't been there, stop by, check it out as our brand new end of the year ratings is going to be coming out in January of 2024. Sit back and wait until that arrives to find out who wins the coveted Autolux A-plus award of design excellence from around the world. The Autolux Podcast has been brought to you by Ecom Entertainment Group and Distribution by podbeam.com. If you'd like to get in touch with Ecom Entertainment Group or anyone at Autolux website, please email us at email at autolux.net. So like we said in the beginning, power brands. I can give you two words. Well, not even two words. I can give you two letters. And these two letters are used for people who run corporations. And yet when you hear them in nearly every corner of the world, you automatically think of one of the most powerful and influential automotive brands out there. And all thanks to two Canadians. Yes, Canada is the reason and is so powerful. And yet this automotive brand decided a few years ago to strip Canada from the site and the people who gave birth to this two-letter corporation. We're talking about General Motors. GM. When you say GM, you think hmm, general manager. But a lot of people also think of General Motors. General Motors Corporation, which is GM, is one of those massive power brands owning multiple divisions and having their hands in so many different pots around the world. Hell, just taking a look back through their history and companies that they've owned. Hell, having their hand within the Asian marketplace, the European marketplace, the Australian marketplace, and even South American markets. General Motors has been there. They sell cars in Africa as well as well as middle east but only with their standard brands then you move over to asia they once had daewoo in australia holden in europe opal and Vauxhall. hell they had their hands inside of suzuki and zuzu who is still a major partner with them general motors today has a lot less divisions than they once had before the fall of the 2008 economic crisis but general motors is still one of the biggest players out there fighting it out every single year with toyota and volkswagen to be the most powerful brands in the world but GM was one of those early risers in the automotive landscape Ford Motor Company was one of the earliest companies to become a power brand in the automotive world and that was only due to the fact of them bringing the moving assembly line which was originally introduced by Oldsmobile into the automotive world this allowed Ford to build vehicles quicker faster and cheaper than anyone else 
allowing him to set up manufacturing plants in every major continent. Now going back to his father's home country in Ireland, he set up Ford of Europe. And then we get Ford of Germany. We get Ford of Australia, Ford of Brazil, Ford of Mexico, Ford of Canada, Ford of South Korea. Ford was a power brand all over the world building Model Ts, and they were powerful. But two Canadians with the last name McLaughlin from the city of Oshawa, which resides just east of Toronto, Ontario, both helped William C. Durant gain access back into the corporation he created. You have to remember, William C. Durant created General Motors. There were multiple divisions, but he merged them all into one massive corporation, with Chevrolet being different by Louis Chevrolet. Cadillac being created by Henry Ford himself and being bought out and brought into the General Motors stable. Adding companies like LaSalle, bringing in Oldsmobile, buying out the Buick brand. All of these eventually merged and became one of the most powerful brands in American history. A company so powerful they once owned nearly 50% of the American marketplace. Talk about powerful. Considering the fact at that point in time, this country, the United States of America, was nearly 200 million people. And they own 50% of that market? It really wasn't up until the 1980s when the other power brands started coming in. The Japanese during World War II may have been hit massive by the Americans in Nagasaki and Hiroshima by the use of nuclear bombs. With a lot, with a massive casualties and a loss of a lot of male workers in a time when more male workers were utilized to build product, the Japanese became innovative companies. And companies like Toyota, Honda, and Nissan all started getting into more robotics. They started utilizing what they had around them. They didn't have enough people to work, so they had to think outside of the box. And they didn't have their own oil supply, so they really had to think outside of the box and look at the fact that we need to make fuel-efficient vehicles because we don't have an endless supply of fuel like they do over in the United States. Japan got good at building small, fuel-efficient vehicles. And with their entry into the American marketplace in the 60s, they soon started seeing a rise. Throughout the 70s, Mazda, Nissan, Honda, Toyota, and even Mitsubishi started to see a rise in their sales. And by the 1980s, after the second wave of the gas crisis had hit, in the economic turmoil that was taking place in the American marketplace during the 1980s crash, those fuel-efficient Japanese vehicles on the second-hand market became a necessity. Hell, my family even owned one. We had a Datsun when I was younger as our fuel-efficient, cheaper vehicle to own. The Japanese learned they could build easy-to-build, cheap vehicle. Similar in context to what Ford Motor Company had originally developed. The Japanese were building them just as quick as everyone else, but building them on a cheaper scale and utilizing the profits from that to funnel it back into the company to help build better quality product. A Toyota Corolla from the 1960s is completely different in quality stands compared to one built in 2023. If you go back to those days, help, I'll put this into context for you. Doc Brown in Back to the Future 3. They have a blown fuse. And as he's looking at it while they're in the cave trying to figure out what happened to the DeLorean to see how he can fix it so that Marty can finally get himself back to 1985, he says, well, here's your problem. This thing says made in Japan. Well, back in the 50s, made in Japan was like in the early part of the 21st century, seeing things 
made in China. They were cheap inequality. They were crappy, cheap products. But Marty says, as 30 years later, 1985, what do you mean, Doc? All the best things come from Japan. Because by the 80s, by building all of those cheap products, they managed to turn themselves around. Similar in context to what's going on in the Chinese marketplace. But again, this was turning the tables in the 80s. Japan was building quality products, and Toyota and Honda were gaining grounds. Nissan would eventually form an alliance with both Renault, Mitsubishi, and, oddly enough, Lada, who have they severed their ties with, to form a massive, consolidated Euro-Asian corporation to be the Renault-Nissan-Mitsubishi alliance we now know today. But during the 80s, the Korean counterparts were learning from the Japanese of what they did previously to enter the North American marketplace and hell, even the European marketplace. They're building cheap, inexpensive vehicles by the mass quantities to get people into them and funneling money back into their production facilities to help build better quality products. Where General Motors had taken over Daewoo and used their products along with products from Suzuki to build the Geo products for North America, Ford in the 60s and even into the 70s and 80s had helped two Korean car companies gain ground, hoping to take one of them over to have Ford of Korea, which eventually just fell through. Both Hyundai and Kia were started by Ford Motor Company. Yes, the original Hyundai product that was for sale was built off a Ford Cortina platform. Kia seen a Ford Festiva from the 80s and 90s that is just a Kia product. Kia had a major stance in Ford, but unfortunately Ford would lose out to the Korean government again when they tried to do this with Kia. With the Korean government keeping their home-built car companies within their own grasps, Hyundai Motor Corporation soon became one of the biggest Asian automotive corporations. They weren't just big at building ships. With Hyundai Motor Group owning one of the largest shipping yards in the world, Hyundai was soon becoming a force to be reckoned with. Hyundai was moving up the automotive food chain. And by the late 90s and early 2000s, they brought along their little friend Kia. Where GM was trying to bring Daewoo into the North American marketplace with people now seeing Korean cars as a bit better quality and being more interested in them as entry-level economy products. They faltered on that, where GM now is called GM of Korea, and Daewoo is no more. Hyundai eventually won the rights to buy out Kia, and winning Kia also meant they now have the military contract for the Korean military. Yes, Kia owns the military products. They stand their ground against Hummer vehicles. So here we are. We've moved from Ford to General Motors, into Toyota and Honda, and now to Hyundai. But this is the early 2000s, and the power groups are getting bigger. Volkswagen, a company that actually was created by none other than Hitler himself, and developed by Ferdinand Piersch, who developed Porsche automobiles alongside his son, Ferry Porsche. Although the fall of the Nazi regime meant that Volkswagen never got off the ground to give the German people their people's car during their regime, the takeover from the Allies meant that the United Kingdom now owned the rights to the Volkswagen products. And with that, the Volkswagen Beetle and Volkswagen Microbus, the Type 1 and Type 2. Volkswagen was essentially created by the British, a country which today has zero automotive power brands in existence. Rover Group being the last major one after the fall of British Leyland, with Rover, MG, and Land Rover all being subdivided up. MG and Rover have now been taken over by the Shanghai Automotive Group, and Land Rover is now in Indian hands with Tata. 
Tata today is not a major power brand on this list. And why is that? Because Tata has their hands in more world. Their own automotive product offerings is not that substantial, especially outside of their home country. With only Jaguar and Land Rover being a substantial automotive authority, but not having the same sales as their in-house brand Tata. Tata is disqualified as being a power brand, whereas Hyundai Kia has become one. Same with Volkswagen. Volkswagen today is the number two car company in the world fighting it out against Toyota Motor Corporation. But as we've seen from Germany, the birthplace of the automobile, even though the automobile in its main context originally comes from France as a mobile tank utilized in the 1700s being transferred into a steam tank for military purpose. During that time frame, the first internal combustion engine vehicle as we know it today was the Motzewagen by Daimler-Benz. I've seen this product myself. This is the birth of the automobile. Its piston-driven engine gives us what we have today. And with that gave birth to the original automotive corporation, the one that created the automotive world. Daimler Auto Group today is still a national player. Even though they're not as big as General Motors or Toyota, Daimler still has its hand in many different pots, both with the Mercedes-Benz, the Mercedes trucks, the Unimog, the Freightliner, Fuso, Denza, Western Star, and even AMG brands. They are all over the place. Although their hands are a lot bigger in the transport market, similar to that of Volvo Group. Yes, Volvo Cars is owned by another power brand on this list, Geely Automotive Group. Geely, one who now holds both Lotus, London Electric Vehicle, Volvo, Terrafugo, and now Smart and Proton. Geely has become one of the biggest players out of the Chinese marketplace. And unlike its brethren over at the FAW Group, who have been in existence a lot longer than them, Geely has now become one of the most powerful brands in the Chinese marketplace, owning the likes of Volvo Cars. But like I said, Mercedes-Benz is big with their cars. And they have their Mercedes and Maybach divisions, both luxurious market leaders. When it comes to powerful luxury cars, the stance everybody makes, well, outside of the United States, is comparing your luxury product to a Mercedes S-Class. In the US, you always say, you know, it's, it's the Cadillac or something, which I always call people morons for because if you're saying it's the Cadillac or something, you're saying it's actually pretty average compared to everything else out there. I heard that once from a John Deere salesman. I even told him that. It's if it's the best quality in the world, you should be calling it the Rolls Royce, not the Cadillac. Cadillac is just a General Motors product with a little bit more technology, but don't get me started on the Cadillac brand. <laughs> Volvo in itself is a premium brand, which once owned under the premier automotive group of Ford Motor Company, which also had divisions of ownership of Aston Martin, Land Rover, and Jaguar as well. But Volvo is two divisions, similar to that of Saab. Saab also had Scania, and Scania is no longer part of the Saab brand, similar to that of Volvo. Volvo, who actually also owns Renault truck, Mack trucks, Nova buses, Canada's own Prevo buses, and on top of that, Volvo construction equipment make up this massive conglomerate of transport. 
markets. Being a power brand in the transportation market also plays a key role for Volvo Group and also for the Volkswagen Automotive Group and Mercedes-Benz. See where a lot of these car companies are all over the place. There are only two that play in both major fields of the world. Mercedes-Benz and Volkswagen. Where Mercedes-Benz, who once owned the likes of Sterling, now also owns Western Star. Thomas built buses, Serta, Freightliner, Mercedes-Benz trucks, and Barrett Bass, along with a major hold in the Fuso, and even Detroit Diesel, on top of building the world-class leading luxury cars. Mercedes is a top contender. Where Volkswagen is also there with their Tratton Group, which has its subsidiaries of Volkswagen Commercial Vehicle, Man Transports, Navistar, Neoplan, and that famous old brand from Saab, Skin. Yes, Scania Transports, which was once a division of Saab, where Saab created for extra usage of their military fighter jets after all in World War II, gave us the Scania Transport. But the Chinese are starting to get into this marketplace. Like we said in the early 2000s, some of these major automotive corporations from China were starting to grow and get bigger. Starting to do it similar to that Japan did back in the 60s and Hyundai did in the 80s. 20 years later in the early 2000s, China is now taking over. The BAIC Group, BID Automotive Group, Chang Automotive Group, FAW, Geely, Hanhei, and the Shanghai Automotive Group all being part of the Jin Power brand who run their market. BID has now become one of the top contenders in the EV race for the Chinese marketplace, completely ridding themselves of internal combustion engines and focusing directly on electric vehicles. BID itself, along with its subsidiary Denza, is similar to that of Toyota Motor Corporation, where Toyota only exists as Toyota, Lexus, Dahatsu, Hino, Rands, and Subaru. Yes, they own Subaru, while well, controlling stake in it, which is Fuji Industrial, which was actually actually purchased after General Motors got rid of Fuji Industrial. That's another one of those Asian brands that General Motors once owned. When you look back in the automotive history, General Motors is one of the car companies that has owned the most across the world. Today's counterpart of General Motors would be Geely from China. And like we said, with divisions like Lotus, Proton, Polestar, Volvo, Lincoln Company, and London Electric Vehicles, Geely is everywhere. Now, when we talk about these major players, we talk about some of these ones in China. Like, a lot of people have never heard of BAIC Group. Well, owning the likes of ArcFox, Beijing Automotive Group, Changhe, and Photon. While Photon is a major player in transports in the Asian marketplace. And the BAIC Group, or Beijing Automobile as well, are major players in Chinese military. Which puts them a front runner for being tied into major players. BID, like Toyota, is a limited division corporation, but still has a massive hold on their market share. Chang Automotive Group now being tied in with some major players like Huawei with their Avatar brand, buying out the likes of Landwind and moving into luxury divisions with COS. Chang is now building products in major automotive marketplaces in the Asian market. They are going after the right spots to ensure that they can move further into the future. And with amazing designs, Chang Automotive Group is showcasing to us that they may not be willing to go past the edge of the border of their country, but they're willing to fight it out with the biggest players in their country to keep their part of the automotive world. Similar to that of Chrysler Corporation. FAW Group, if you've never heard of them, FAW Group is one of the oldest Chinese automotive corporations out there. Now they don't really have a lot of divisions, but their divisions are well endowed. 
Hongqi. If you don't know who Hongqi is, well, if you've just seen the Chinese president show up in the United States, he brought his Hongqi H5 limo with him. Hongqi made a major name for itself, being the major player for top tier Chinese luxury building vehicles for the state. This gives FAW major upper hand over every one of its competitors considering the fact that they have a direct tie to the government officials and with FAW being one of the biggest transport manufacturers in the country as well it doesn't matter that there are smaller divisions from HEMA and FAW automotive on top of SciTech and Bestern don't play a pivotal role in the automotive marketplace the FAW transportation division and Hongqi make them a powerful brand in their home market from here, Shanghai Automotive Group, buying out the rights to MG and Rover, really put the SAIC group on the market. They showed us that you don't even have to build your own products to become big. Rowey, as its replacement for Rover, became its new luxury division. With MG being a massively well-known name, this gave them a foothold to entry back into the European marketplace before any other Chinese. Shanghai Automotive Group has been in the European marketplace longer than any other Chinese competitor, giving them a foothold into more markets a lot easier. You may think their sales are not on par with companies like Geely, Bid, and Chang, but SAIC has MG, which allows them to get a major foothold into the Australian, South American, American, and European marketplaces with people remember MG. Hanhe Automotive may be one of those players that you've never really heard of. The funny thing about it is, you may not think they are a major player, but they are an up-and-coming company with little divisions that are growing an extensive rate. In the U.S., one of their two divisions has now faltered. Lordstown Motors is now gone. Faraday Future is slowly coming into play. But Han hey, what do they all mean? Why are they a power player on our list? Foxconn is their major corporate backer the largest communications and electronics companies in the Asian market. Along with their Foxtron product, they're now showcasing to us that their electric vehicles are going to be bigger and better than the competition. They are a rising power brand. And even though they are only powerful within their home Asian marketplace and having very limited products, they are what you would consider the Tesla of Asia, where Tesla is a powerful brand on its own. Owning the rights to the electric vehicle marketplace around the world, Tesla is the 21st century's Ford Motor Company. They may not have as many different products as the Ford Motor Company once had. But if you look back at it, how long did Henry Ford run with the Model T before he finally started adding different models. Quite a while, similar to that as Tesla. Tesla may not build as many vehicles as some of the most powerful brands on this list, with Volkswagen, Toyota, General Motors, and hell, the Volvo group of transports. But Tesla essentially sets the benchmark for the electric vehicle marketplace around the world. Everybody looks up to them as where to begin when they want to build electric vehicles. So when you get new up-and-coming vehicles like Xpeng and Neo, they look at Tesla to see where they need to go. And they learn from Tesla all the mistakes they can make along the way. Tesla is a major power brand in the world. Not as powerful as the most powerful automotive brand around the world. And no, we're not talking about one of the three that we've missed so far. 
that we're about to get to, whether it be BMW, Isuzu, or Stellantis, the most powerful automotive brand we're going to get right to after this. When you look at the world marketplace, Mercedes sets the benchmark for luxury, but BMW sets the global benchmark for sport luxury. BMW is what you get when you don't want to get a Mercedes. Kind of like when you don't want to get a Tesla, you go for anything else, really. BMW does not own many divisions. With only Rolls-Royce Mini BMW M under their banner, BMW is not huge. But you have to remember, BMW also has motorcycles. And motorcycles are big money in select markets, especially the African marketplace, where motorcycles are still big money. Rising industrialized nations, motorcycles are bigger players than automobiles because they are cheaper and easier for anybody to get. And with BMW still having its stranglehold within that marketplace, they are very similar to Honda Motor Corporation with a limited amount of divisions but owning power generation around the world, where BMW Motors are utilized in not only their products, but other people's products. Add to this the fact that BMW also owns the Triumph name. Similar to that of MG, Triumph is a powerful roadster brand that people are wishing for it to come back. BMW owns the rights to the Triumph automobile name. Where Volkswagen has bought out the International Scout brand, BMW can look to Volkswagen and see how well that brand takes off before deciding to bring back the Triumph brand, which would help them become an even more powerful brand around the world. This is unlike one of the most powerful divisional brands in the world right now. Right now, Stellantis is similar to that of General Motors during the 1980s, where Stellantis owns divisions on nearly every continent, with manufacturing plants on nearly every continent. Buying out the former FCA, PSA has now merged with FCA to create Stellantis, where PSA, Peugeot, Citroën, DS, Hindustu Motors, Opel, and Vauxhall add that to the brands from the FCA marketplace. Abarth, Alfa Romeo, Chrysler, Dodge, Fiat, Fiat Professional, Jeep, Lancia, Maserati, Mopar, SRT, and one of the most powerful up-and-coming brands right now, Ram. Yes, the Ram nameplate is becoming huge. Same with the Jeep nameplate. With Stellantis holding and some of the biggest global names being that of Jeep, they own the rights to some of the most powerful names around the world. Funny thing is that they were originally tied in with the most powerful brand in the automotive world once before. But hell, one of the other most powerful brands in the world was also tied in with General Motors. Isuzu may not be a big company when you think about it. You may not think Isuzu is huge. They're a small, tiny little Japanese company, right? Wrong. Isuzu, similar to that of Suzuki, are very powerful brands. Suzuki is really only huge in India and Asian marketplaces, where Suzuki was not able to hold on to the North American market. But Isuzu has managed to keep their foot inside the door of every major market around the world without even having their name there. Being affixed to the General Motors Corporation, Isuzu and its partner, GM, has managed to get their engines worldwide with the only other company similar to this being Yamaha. But unfortunately, Yamaha is not a brand known in every 
facet of the world for automotive production, where Zuzu is. Zuzu builds cube vans that go around cities still. They'll pick up trucks and SUVs. But Zuzu is a massive engine builder. They build engines for General Motors products. They build engines for Fuso, for Mitsubishi. They are a power brand through their power system, with their only major competitor being Honda. Honda builds lots of motors, but unfortunately they build them for themselves and themselves only. With a similar tie-in with General Motors with their original Ecotec engines, you know, Ecotec, GM engines, yeah, those were actually just Honda engines, branded as a better product. Yeah, sorry about your, you know, Cobalt Ecotech, but uh, your Cobalt Ecotech, this is essentially a Honda Civic. Do a little research, you'll learn a little bit about this. But Azusa's tie-in has been there with General Motors for so long. And even though their products have left the North American market, their products are still here. Not branded as their product, but Azusa is still a powerful brand. But not as powerful as one in particular. <sighs> This one in particular, everyone around the world knows. And in the world, there are only three automotive brands that you can go to nearly every country around the world and their name everybody knows. Three, that is it. Out of all these powerful brands we've talked about, there's only three that are global brands that everyone knows about. Those three include the one who brought vehicles to the mass, Ford Motor Company. The second one is the brand that allowed everybody to go anywhere, which introduced military vehicles to every major nation around the world with many different counterparts. Or if you listen to our old podcast, Jeep World, you'll understand that Jeep has been more influential around the world than any other brand in existence. With the creation of the Toyota Land Cruiser, the Land Rover Defenders, the Suzuki Jimneys, and even the BJ40s from the Beijing Automotive Group. Those are military products. Hell, Mahindra and their Thar. Those are all Jeep-based products from the original Jeep before it was called the Wrangler, making Jeep a powerful name. But around the world, there's only one name that's as powerful as this one. This one only builds a few thousand vehicles every single year. And it's not the most valuable, but its name is more valuable than Microsoft and Apple. Ferrari, by no means, is the most powerful automotive brand in the world. Building less than 50,000 cars a year, this little company and its name is more powerful than anything else on the planet. Go anywhere in the world and any automotive person who has seen cars or heard of cars knows what a Ferrari is. Enzo was an amazing marketer and he managed to market his products around the globe to everyone. And if you don't own a Ferrari, you want a Ferrari. Even the likes of myself, who loves Lamborghini, still has Ferraris in the back of his mind. Ferrari is the most powerful brand in the world. More powerful than Walmart or Apple. Ferrari can command whatever they want from whoever they want. And they've done this by holding their name captive. They own the rights to their name. They own the rights to their car. They own the rights to every product which has that name on it. And if they didn't give you the right to it, you will be seen by their lawyers. So who can really topple that? Ford has built more cars nearly every single year of production in their existence than Ferrari does every single year. Now, this year alone, Ford will make more vehicles worldwide than Ferrari has produced in its history. But in yet, the Ferrari name is more powerful than anything else. Ferrari 
is it. And the only other name that can get that close to it for the next century will be Tesla. Can the two Reds fight it out and win the day? Well, we'll just have to sit back and see. And see if Elon Musk and his Tesla can become a well-rounded, well-known name as Ferrari. And for all of you out there, we're all waiting for Christmas 2023 to see the new Ferrari movie with actor Adam Driver. Funny enough driver playing Enzo himself and showcasing to the world who Enzo really was. Be patient. You may not like what you see about him. So in the end, how many of these power brands do you really agree with? There's a lot of them and a lot of major power brands. Hell, we even missed one with CNH Industrial. And if you don't know who that is, CNH Industrial owns New Holland. New Holland and Case being some of the biggest agricultural products in the world. Now, they're not part of the automotive standpoint, but they are on the Autolux website if you look under the Corporate Links website page. CNH Industrial is the largest agricultural manufacturer in the world. Plus, they also own Iveco, one of the largest transport manufacturers around them. So power. Power comes to the companies that can hold on to it the longest. Doesn't necessarily mean you have to build the most product and build the best product. You just need to make sure that your name is heard around the world. And with only three companies holding that title, can anyone else really jump into bed and make it for four? Or will the world only see in three? That is something Auto Looks will have to take a look at at a future date. So if you like this podcast, please like, share, or comment about it on any of the major social feeds and like us. Yes, the bottom of the page there. Like the Autolux website and the Autolux social media pages that you find us on. Give us a like and find out more about the automotive world that we all love from around us. And after that, stop by the Autolux.net website, check out some of the corporate links websites and some of our ratings. Our end of the year ratings are coming up in January 2024 if you wish to read all about who has the best, who has the worst and who copied who from around the globe on the autolux.net website the autolux podcast has been brought to you by ecom entertainment group and distributed by podbeam.com if you'd like to get in touch with the autolux podcast crew email us at email at autolux.net from myself everett the autolux podcast and the autolux.net website strap yourself in for this one fun wild ride that the most powerful brands in the world will take us on Thank you.